the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we sink in the quicksands of life, God seems to meet us in a way that He never meets us in any other way. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Know this, God never Waste suffering in our lives. He never wastes it. He considers the testing of our faith more precious than gold. That's why the Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 1 that your testing of your faith in God's eyes is more precious than gold itself. You will never understand God or be closer to Him than in times of great trial and hardship. It's just what happens. You know, there's a way that God touches us when we're in the deserts of life. When we travel on those lonely paths of deep and dark valleys, when we sink in the quicksands of life, God seems to meet us in a way that he never meets us in any other way. Maybe it's because that's the only time that we have ears to truly listen. Yes, in the end, many suffering souls throughout time have been encouraged by the life of Job. And Job also received great blessings from the Lord. But some will still ask, but why did it all have to happen? Why did it all happen? Yes, God restored everything that he lost, but why did it have to happen? Why would God allow suffering to someone that he truly loves? Why would God simply not intervene on our behalf when we start going down that path of misery? Well, here's the answer. I, nor anyone else, can never answer that fully. We don't know those things. There is no way that our peanut-sized little finite mind can understand the infinite God. The way that God works at times, you know, will always be a complete and utter mystery to us. And before we jump onto the bitter, bitter, bitter wagon and, you know, shake our fists at God and say, why is God so unfair? The Bible reminds us in many places, here's one of them, says in Ecclesiastes 11:5, just as you do not know the path of the wind, you feel it, but you don't know where it comes from. Where does the wind just happen? Like right now, today, it's not a windy day, but then other days it's windy. It's like, okay, well, what caused that? It's like, just as you don't know where the path of the wind or how the bones are formed in the womb of a pregnant woman, what causes that to turn into a baby? 
See, you can know the mechanics of it, but you don't understand how it happens. How does that baby grow and then turn into a full-blown human life? He says, you don't know these things. Therefore, you do not know the activity of God, the creator of all things. Yes, there were some questions. Job started to falter a little bit there after about 40 chapters of going through misery. And out of a whirlwind, God spoke to Job. Hey, Job, where were you when I created the earth? Where were you when I made the sunshine? Where were you when I stopped the oceans where it beats onto the sand? Where were you when I created the animals? And Job's just like, I think I'll be quiet right now. I have nothing to say. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way of death. We can have it all figured out at times. He goes, yeah, well, the way is death for you. It's like you don't have it all figured out. But concerning Job, this is what we do know. There's a lot that we don't know, and we don't know how that whole thing worked, but this is what we do know. Job's trials, they were caused by a satanic attack on his life. Yet God was glorified, and Job was purified. And millions, because Job, again, is believed to be the oldest book in the Bible, and millions upon millions have been encouraged by Job's response to all of the hardships and trials. Remember, if we never have to endure anything, then we will never learn anything. We'll never learn anything about endurance. Maybe you find yourself in a furnace that is filled with fire today. And the heat has been turned up hotter than it's ever been. You've got circumstances. You've got issues. You've got these vaccine mandates. You've got all this stuff that's happening around you. And you're just like, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. Fall on the grace and the mercy of God. You have a health issue. Something's happening in your body. You're not as healthy as you used to be. Things are going wrong inside of you. Fall on the grace and the mercy of God. Sin is taking over in your life. You don't know what you're going to do. I seem to be weaker now than I've ever been. Fall on the grace and the mercy of God. Cry out to the one who has his hand on the thermostat. He's the one that controls everything. He can intervene in all of our lives. Listen, if you are a Christian, you are not just some random human suffering for no reason. There is a reason behind everything that happens. You are a child of God. And you are part of the divine plan that God has for planet earth. And you will one day stand in the presence of God. It all makes sense one day, though now it might not make any sense. But you are a child of God, not just some random individual. And you will live forever in a new body one day that will never suffer again. But on this side of heaven, in the here and now, we must not forget that the world is full of suffering all around us. Why? Because this world has turned their back on God. So when we're blindsided by hardship, its purpose is to build character in you and me. So it's like it says in verse 12, don't swear or make false oaths, meaning when we're going through the fire, 
when something looks bigger than you, don't make bargains or false promises to God. Like, oh God, if you get me out of this jam, I will serve you forever. I will go and live on the mission field. I'll live in a mud hut. I'll eat bugs. Okay, don't make deals with God. If you're falling into a sin that has captured your soul again, you don't say, well, forgive me, Lord. Just forgive me, and I will never do this again. No, look, we have a sin nature. Unfortunately, we will fall occasionally. But it's like, don't make those deals with God. What you do is you just go to him and say, oh, God, forgive me. Yes, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Job never cursed God, nor did he bargain with God. Which brings up our point, persisting in life. Let's pick up and read again in James 5, picking up in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Well, anybody here? Might be quite a few people. Well, let him or her pray. Is anyone cheerful? Are you happy? Everything's going good right now? Life's on cruise control? Good. That's blessing. He says, let him sing praises. Verse 14, is anyone among you sick? You have a physical ailment? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him or her, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer that's offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up or her up, and he that has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Wow. The word suffering in verse 13 means just that. It's to suffer. It's to be afflicted in some way. It's to be undergoing some type of hardship. It could be mentally. It could be physically. It could be spiritually. But you're suffering in some capacity. We need to look for him, for his help in a time of need. I don't know what could be causing your hardship here today. I think it might be something a little different for each and every one of us. But let me ask you this. Is your hardship caused as a result of sin? Is your hardship caused as a result of maybe Satan attacking you, just like he did Job, to disrupt his life? Is your problem in your suffering, is it a result of God chastening you? Or is the suffering, is it a result of this, just this wicked world that we live in and sin is just all around us and it's easy to fall into it? You know, whatever the case is, first and foremost, we are told to do what? We are told to pray. We are told to pray. We have to talk to God about this thing. Verse 14 says, if there are any sick among us, We are to go to the elders of the church. We are to be prayed over with the anointing of oil. Psalm 66, 19 says, But certainly God has heard, talking about our prayers, He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God who has not turned away my prayer. God will not turn our prayers away, nor His loving kindness from us. Know this, God listens to our prayers. When we have fallen sick to either difficulties in this life, you know, sins that have overcome us, us, physical sickness, prayer will do one 
of two things. Number one, it can remove the affliction, meaning we can be healed of the problem or the sickness. Or number two, God might choose to heal us of the sickness or the problem, but rather, even if he doesn't heal us of the sickness or the problem, he might choose to give us strength to endure. Strength to endure whatever it is. We must remember, even when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, what happened to Lazarus? Is he still with us today? No, he died again. And they didn't raise him up a second time. You know, he went to heaven. Let us not lose sight of this fact. We are eventually supposed to die, okay? In God's timing, not our timing, and not someone else's timing for us, okay? But we are supposed to die one day. If we never died, how would we ever get to heaven to see God face to face? So this is not a guarantee that God will heal every single person. Yet the fact is, God can And he still does heal people today. So you go down that path of healing until you're no longer alive. (laughs) You continue. You never give up. And we are encouraged to come to him and to be prayed for. But we must also know that a lot of the problems that we have today, you know, are healings that we need. It might be a direct result of sin. You know, there's just things like, you know, if you're a thief and you steal, you could go to prison. Hopefully, as Christians, you're not stealing anything, okay? Not even five bucks, okay? So hopefully, that's not the case. But yes, there's penalties when you do things that are wrong. You know, if you're involved with some sexual sins, you know, you could come up with some disease. And you think, oh, God, I can't believe I have this disease. Well, you've been out sleeping around and you're doing this thing that you're not supposed to do. You're fornicating and all of a sudden now you are paying the price for that thing. Which brings up our final point, confessing our sin. James 5, picking up again in verse 16. Therefore, because of everything we said up to this point, confess your sins. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So he's bringing up the great prophet Elijah. Remember, Elijah was one of the two that came to visit Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It was Moses and Elijah. So Elijah was probably the biggest dog prophet of the Old Testament, okay? So it's like Elijah was a man. He had a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, like you go and get a prodigal son or daughter and bring him back or someone repents of their sin, let him know that he who turns a sinner from his error of his way will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Yes, whoever you know, whatever heathen person at your work, your family members, what have you, you share Christ with them, they repent, their sin will be forgiven. They will be able to go to heaven. But notice, we're called first to confess our sins. To confess is to agree with God that what we have done is wrong. Okay, so Christian, 
It's important that we walk in the light. It's important as Christians that we live a life of purity. It's important for us to live upright and holy. But when we fall short, and we will fall short, so Pastor Steve tries to live a godly life. But when Pastor Steve face plants and does something really lame, I have to go to God and I have to confess my sin. I have to say, Lord, I have totally blown it here. I am so sorry. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin before God, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Look, it doesn't matter if you're sitting in the pew or if I'm sitting up here preaching the message. We can all fall short from time to time. And when we do, we have to go back to the Lord and we have to say, God, I am sorry. What I have done is wrong. And God promises us. We don't deserve It's not based on you deserve this, or I deserve this. Well, I'm a pastor of court church. Do I get a hall pass? No, you get no hall pass, okay? You have to come like everyone else says. I have to confess my sin. But when I do, God is faithful and just to forgive us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Yes, when we do what God tells us to do, then God is faithful to forgive us and move on with our lives at that point. He will not only hear our prayers, but he will answer our prayers. That's the difference. You're a child of God. Listen, none of us deserve it, but that's who we are. We're his children, and when we mess up, we go back. Listen, if you don't have kids of your own, it may be a little harder to understand this, but when you have your own kids, your own kids, will they will disobey you. They will, they will yell in your face. They'll smack you. I mean, your kids will they'll pull your hair. They'll bite you. I mean, kids will do all kinds of things. They will get into trouble. They'll make bad decisions. But when they come back, I'm sorry. What do you do? You pick them up. Okay, that's what you do, okay? And that's what the Lord does with us. It's like we're rebellious. We kick him at times. We bite. We pull his hair. But then when we come back and confess, he will always forgive us. Verse 16 says, the effective prayer or the prayer that is prayed fervently or consistently with passion and faith by a righteous man or a woman, it can accomplish much. How do we pray? Do we throw up some little flippant prayer? See, our prayers should be at the same gravity of whatever the issue is that we're praying about. Does that make sense? Like, if we're praying about going to lunch, don't spend all day on it. Because if you spend all day on it, you miss lunch, okay? I'm no longer praying for lunch because I already missed it. I'm praying for dinner now, okay? Don't spend forever praying about it. But if you've got a major issue in your life, then you had better be praying fervently. You had better be praying consistently. So the gravity of what you're praying about determines how much you should be praying. You have cancer in your body. You have some sin in your life that's really taking you down. You got to pray fervently on that thing. You got to pray every day. You got to pray multiple times a day. So depending on the gravity of the issue, that's how you pray in response to it. Notice it's not the most eloquent prayer that's heard. It's not the prayer from the rich. 
I put more money in the offering than anybody else, so he's going to hear my prayer, puts me to the front of the line. No, it's not how much money you give to the Lord. It's not the prayer of those who look the nicest. I'm such a good little boy and girl. Look at me. No, doesn't matter how you look. Doesn't matter if you look nice, you don't look nice. The prayer that God hears is the prayer that's done genuinely from the hearts. It's the righteous prayer. It's like, oh God. It's when you humble yourself before God. Oh, he hears that prayer. The one who lives out their faith, he hears that prayer. The one who lives for him on a daily basis, that's the prayer that he hears. It's the one who's a real Christian. Remember, the very name Christian means to be Christ-like or a little Christ. And in verse 17, God uses Elijah as an example. He, again, was a huge prophet in the Old Testament, calling down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel to consume the false idols of Baal. And then he did what? He went down after he pulled fire down from heaven to consume the altar. He killed 850 of the false prophets of Baal. But take note what it says. He was a man of like passions like us. He had a nature like us. What is that saying? It's just he was a regular guy just like you and me. Meaning there were days that he was like a Christian running on, uh, I'm like a V8 running on 12 cylinders. I'm like super Christian. Then another day he was like messing up like we do. We fail at times. He had a nature like us. So he was really super spiritual one day and not so spiritual the next day. He had his ups and downs, you could say. In fact, right after his radical prayers of fire, and after he killed all the false prophets, King Ahab, you know, his wife, she was a spring peach of a woman, Jezebel, she was the most wicked woman in the Bible. She said, that's it. You know, before this day's up, I'm going to kill that guy for killing all of my false prophets. So you would think, Elijah, I just called fire down from heaven. I just took a sword and slew 850 of your prophets by myself. I'm coming after you next, lady. You better be on the run. That's not what he said. For some reason, it struck a moment of fear in his life, and he ran into the wilderness. He ran. It's like, how, how could you do what you just did? You just called fire down from heaven. You just... How, like, this, this makes no sense at all. This is like 2 plus 2 equal, equaling 87 or something like that. This doesn't, this doesn't compute. So what did God do with Elijah? Did he just kick him to the curb? Oh, what a worthless dog you are. Get out of here. You know, let me get somebody else, you know. No. God went to him, and what did he say? Take a nap. You're tired. You've had a busy day. Take a nap. So he takes a nap. He wakes up. God, you're hungry. Let's bring him some food. So he eats. Lay down and take another nap. Okay. So finally he gets up. And, and it's like, God's like, so, so what's your problem, Elijah? What, what, are you, what are you doing out here? Oh, God, I'm the only one. There's nobody else. It's like everyone is gone. I'm the only one left to serve you. God's like, hmm. Okay. Doesn't respond to that. Then the Bible says an earthquake came and shook the ground. And the, the wind started blowing. It was blowing. And rocks were falling apart. Then fire came down. And it's like, oh, man, could you imagine Elijah just, what's going on? The world's coming to an end. It's the apocalypse. And then there was a gentle blowing. And the Lord spoke to him again. 
What did he say? Elijah, what are you doing? Oh, I'm the last one. I'm the only one. There's no one. It's like, uh, yeah, didn't you just say that? Oh, you're saying that again. Actually, Elijah, there's 7,000 that haven't bowed the knee to Baal. And why don't you just go back and get to work? He never answered any of his questions, never came and said, oh, well, this happened because of this and this happened. No, 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 nothing. No, no. Let me tell you what's all going on. Let me give you the blueprint. No. Hey, Elijah, you fell down. Get back up. Get moving. Get back on the horse. Get back up on the skateboard. Let's get going. And he goes, I need this guy anointed over here. Never addressed his problem at all. Just get back to work. Look, we all have our good days and our bad days. And in our own strength, we can be very weak and we can be very frail, can't we? That's why we must put our trust in Christ. We must stand on His strength and not our own. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app available on iOS and Android. Core Truth is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, that's Core Church LA, one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to our P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.